0: guys hi everybody enjoy the weather today wasn't it awesome yeah um, yeah this has been a um, yeah, as far as preparing goes for these uh, sorry not messages this one's been um, enjoyable for me uh, there's uh, been a word that's been kind of brewing uh, in my heart for a while Uh I would say even weeks before I got the assignment, you know, before I drew the assignment to to hit some of the early parts of First uh, Samuel. Of course, we've just started the series on on First and Second Samuel, and so uh, to my to my pleasant surprise, as I started reading uh, over the first few chapters, uh, this this thing that was on my heart really just started jumping off the page to me. And so, I don't know, it may just be a God thing, but I think I have a a word for you guys tonight, and really what I want to, um, if I had a thesis, I'm going to go ahead and give you my thesis. Give us your thesis. <laughs> uh, really, what we're going to talk about is uh, the crossroads of destiny and choice, and how those things, uh, you know, some might think that those run absolutely counter to each other, like that's maybe a kind of a paradox, but, uh, but I think in this... Uh, in the first four chapters of First Samuel, I think we see uh, how they actually intersect and the relationship between between these two ideas of destiny and choice, and how they uh, interlock. Um, if you've got your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in the first four chapters of First Samuel. Uh, we may not go; we're not going to go completely in uh, chronological se- uh, sequence here. We're going to hop around a little bit, so. Uh, you're just going to have to pay attention and follow along because we're going to jump around a little bit. Uh, the first thing uh, that, that I want to draw out and look, look to is uh, I see a little bit of a, a narrative here of two separate families. There's two family stories uh, happening here. or There's a lot of things happening, but, the, but what we're going to look at specifically are two families. We're going to look at uh, Hannah's story. Uh, Hannah is Samuel's mother, okay? And then Eli the priest, and we're going to look at uh, his family story. And what we're going to look at is how both of them have a pretty uh, vivid destiny attached uh, to their lives that that we can see here. And what I mean by destiny, you know, they've been destined for something. There's been some some things chosen for them that seem largely out of their control. You know, this is a, a path that they're on, uh, that they didn't necessarily even sign up for. This is just something that they've been destined uh, to do or to experience. Uh, let's look at, at, at uh, 1 Samuel 1, 5. Uh, and again, this uh, we're going to start by looking at Hannah a little bit and what's going on with her life at this part in this story. Uh, but the Hannah, he gave a double portion, talking about her husband. He gave Hannah a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival, uh, which is uh, the, the other wife, all right? Sounds like an HBO show here. Uh, but the other wife, her rival, kept provoking her in order to irritate her, okay? So uh, the other wife, you know, had, was able to have children. And so she's, uh, you know, provoking uh, Hannah. And so Han- Hannah's obviously... Not very happy about this, and uh, you're 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 probably aware of this, but in, in that culture, especially uh, for a woman not to be able to have children uh, is well. Uh, if you look in uh, in Genesis thirty twenty two, you don't have to turn there, but uh, Jacob's wife uh, Rachel, one of his wives, uh, also was in a, in a similar predicament. She couldn't have children, but eventually the Lord uh, blessed her and she was able to have Joseph. Okay. And this was her response to that. God has taken away my disgrace. So that was kind of the mindset. That was the stigma, was that if you're a woman and you can't give your husband children, it's actually disgraceful, right? So it's, it's, this is a pretty harsh thing that, that Hannah is living under, that she's having to deal with the fact that she cannot uh, have children. And on top of that, her rival... Is throwing it in her in her face, so it's you know for Hannah, even though she had the love and admiration of her husband, it was still this really heavy burden uh, that she was uh, that she was living under. And um, you know, one thing it, do, it doesn't you know address, we don't see you know why God closed her womb. It just says that that he he closed her womb. I'm sure there was a, a reason for it, but for we know obviously it wasn't something Hannah wanted, right? And so uh, this was something that she was destined to. I mean, she, her womb was closed by God. She could not have children. So we see that uh, in Hannah's life, destined uh, for, for barrenness. Then we have Eli, uh, who's the priest at that time uh, in, in Israel. And he had a much different destiny laid out for him. Uh, if you look in chapter 2, verse 30, we see specifically what that Uh, destiny was. And this is a pretty, pretty lofty, you know, promise that the Lord had made to his family. Therefore, the Lord, the God of Israel declares, I promised that members of your family would minister before me forever. It's pretty, a pretty lofty promise, right? Forever. It started with uh, Eli's dad, if I read it correctly. It started with his father, his father was a priest he's a priest he has two sons uh, even at, at this at this juncture he has two sons that are priests and so he's actually in the midst of this promise it's already being enacted uh, this this promise had been made to his father that they would all you know minister uh, to his name and so you have this lineage of, of priesthood going uh, through Eli's uh, family now I don't know uh, if you're like me at all, you know, sometimes the the conversation of uh, of destiny, uh, sometimes it, you know, uh, intimidates me a little bit. And I have a tendency sometimes to, when I, especially if I read something challenging to me in the Old Testament, that I can dismiss it because it's in the Old Testament. (laughs) So, oh, well, you know, that was before Jesus. You know, God's changed since then. He's really matured since he... Did all that stuff, you know? So uh, sometimes uh, I have that tendency. You may not. I do sometimes, and so I have to actually be, you know, a little proactive in when I when I'm in the Old Testament, not to be dismissive. And so I certainly encourage uh, you as we as we look through this narrative that, yeah, you know, it's the Old Testament, but I think what we're looking at is uh, something about. Uh, god 's character and how he relates to to his people, and so we 're talking specifically here about destiny and so the question is, do things really happen like this? Are we really destined for things for good or for bad? We see two different stories here we see Hannah who seems to be destined for something bad evil whatever however you want to however you you look at it or discouraging or or whatever and then you see um Eli who's destined for something, you know, great. Does that happen even for us today? So I think we can evaluate a little bit. Just just think for a moment. Think about what you here in this room, what were you born into? Think about the culture you were born into. Does anyone think that uh, before you're born that there's, you know, a line in heaven where you get to sign up? I want to be born, I like the East Coast. God, if I could be born over there. Maybe it happens like that, but I kind of <laughs> You know, we're born into a particular culture, we're born into a particular family. Are you born into, were you born into an experience where you had two amazing parents that, you know, loved you intensely and they let you know that they loved you and they gave you opportunities and disciplined you in a really healthy way? Were you born into a family where there was a great deal of dysfunction? Maybe, you know, a single parent home. Were you born into a a situation where, you know, a lot of your family heritage where maybe alcohol abuse runs rampant or drug abuse or something like that? Things that weren't really of your choosing. Were you six feet tall by the fourth grade? If so, you probably weren't destined to be a jockey, right? You know, there are a lot of things that we don't choose, okay? Maybe there's a lot of talents or skills that just come really natural to you. Maybe you're a missionary kid, a preacher's kid. You know, I can go on with this. Maybe you you you've been born into a situation where all you've ever known through your family is debt. Maybe there's a real you know like poverty spirit in your family, and it doesn't matter how much or how little you make to a month. It just seems like you know there's never never enough uh, you know to to go around, and provision's a really big issue. Maybe it's the opposite. I think this is definitely something that happens that we're born into something um what about how would you compare the destiny for a kid born into a maybe a small muslim village in africa compared to a kid who's born into a middle class family in the bible belt what kind of expectations would you have on the destinies of those two children probably would look a little different right when I think of destiny, I think of, I think of maybe like a, like a stream. I think we're born into certain currents that will naturally take us to very specific places. That's kind of my view on destiny. Those are those places that that current just takes us naturally. Those are the things that, that we're destined for. but no matter our perceived destiny, I think we can't afford to neglect the impact of our choices. And this, uh, this is what I'm going to look at next with, with Hannah and Eli. If, you've, if you feel like you've been you know, destined for something bad, then you can take heart. You can do something about that. If you feel like you've been destined for something great... Be alert. You can do something about that too. Let's look at Hannah and Eli a little bit more about their destinies and, and, uh, and the different paths that they end up taking. Uh, taking. Eli, we've, we've established, was destined for something great. Hannah was destined for disgrace. But they take very different paths. Let's look at Hannah first. Uh, Hannah cries out to the Lord for change. Chapter 1, listen to this prayer. Chapter 1, verse 10. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, I will not forget your servant, but give her a son. Oh, and not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. And she kept on praying to the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart. Her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. Said, uh, you know, put away your wine, etc." Ch- you know, chastise her a little bit, actually. Um, but she says, not so, my Lord. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Uh, do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been here praying... Uh, here, out of my great anguish and grief. So she just, she comes before the Lord, and she just really pours pours herself out, you know, praying just intensely. And this is what, you know, this is what she wanted. Uh, I'm quite certain. She wanted, of course, to no longer have this, this disgrace hanging over her life. She wanted that to be gone. Um, I think it's... Uh, it doesn't say this, you know, it doesn't say that this is what was her motivation, but um, you might be able to presume that her hope was that if she could have just one child, that maybe more would follow. I don't, I don't know. That was probably a hope in her heart. But she, she asked for, you know, a child. She wanted the disgrace... Uh, removed, and she made the Lord a promise, which he eventually does does keep. So this is this is Hannah's story. All right, this is her action. This is the choice that she makes. Here I am. I'm barren, but I'm going to you know, I'm going to beg the Lord. I'm going to ask the Lord uh, to to give me a child. Now let's look at Eli. Eli had two uh, had two sons that were priests. Okay, and if you look in chapter two, verse twelve. It says Eli's sons were scoundrels. They had no regard for the Lord. Let me tell you something. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen dirty rotten scoundrels. I think the, the sting of this word has lost a little of its of, a little of its impact. You know, when I hear the word scoundrels, I think of you know ah oh, they're mis-, you know mischievous, right? Um, these guys were more than that. These guys were were really wicked. All right, they had no regard for the Lord. Um, you know, sacrifices and offerings were certainly a big, big deal in that day. And they were, they were defiling the offering. They were taking, you know, what they wanted. Um, this, uh, if you look, you know, in chapter 2, verse 17, this sin of the young men was very great in the Lord's sight, for they were treating the Lord's offering with contempt. And listen to verse 22. And these guys are priests. Now Eli, who was very old, heard about everything his sons were doing to all Israel and how they slept with the women who served at the entrance of, uh, to the tent of meeting. Okay? I mean, you guys know how you, you get that feeling in your stomach when you you know you see on the news that you know some some minister has been embezzling, taking money from the church, or or then you see, you know, these you know sexual scandals and it just makes you sick to your stomach, right? I mean, you, you always hate to hear that kind of news of, you know, whatever, any any kind of, you know, immorality. But when you hear of, like, you know, ministers taking va- advantage of people in their care, it's just like, there's, it's just awful, right? And these guys were, these guys were doing those, those things, right? Okay, so, Eli, you know, this is a patriarchal society, Okay. Um, Eli does confront them. You know, he was, it says in verse 22, he was very old, and he, he had confronted them. But down in verse 25, you see their response. His sons, however, did not listen to their father's rebuke, for it was the Lord's will uh, to put them to death. So he didn't look in, uh, listen uh, to, to Eli. I guess they kind of blew him off. Uh, but this is what's so scandalous about Eli's uh, course of action, was that even though he he kind of tried to call them on the carpet, Again, it's a patriarchal society. He had the authority to put a stop to what they were doing, but he didn't. You know, here his sons are. Uh, you know, showing contempt to of the offerings, and then you know, uh, taking advantage of, the, of these women that are uh, that are serving. And Eli didn't put a stop to it. All right, so we see the two responses. Hannah, in her destiny, in her barrenness, asks the Lord to come and help give her a child. And then Eli, who's destined, and his whole family's destined, uh, to to serve the Lord forever. And here he's failing mightily at, you know, really caring for the people of Israel. By not stopping his, his sons, he's failing at caring for the people that are in his care, ultimately. So this is what happens. The Lord then sets them on different paths. Each of them are on one path going one direction. And the Lord sets them on a different course. Hannah uh, is given a child. Verse uh, Chapter 119, early the next morning, this is after she had prayed, uh, you know, that prayer that we looked at a minute ago. Early the next morning they arose, worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home at uh, Ramah, Uh, Elkanah, Uh, made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her, okay? So, in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel. So, she was given a son. She named him Samuel. And then we see on down in chapter uh, 2, verse 21, the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She gave birth to three sons and two daughters. So, you know, we talked about this just a second ago. Not only was she given Samuel, but then she had, she had more children. She was faithful. She, you know, she promised Samuel to the Lord, and she did that very thing. She gave Samuel to the Lord. He served. Um, and so I'm sure, in my mind, in my heart, I'm sure that Hannah would have been grateful had the Lord only given her Samuel. Because she no longer is under that umbrella of grace, uh, disgrace that she had been under. And we didn't see anywhere in her prayer that she was asking for more children. Maybe in her heart she was hoping for it, but she didn't ask the Lord for that. And yet, the Lord was so good and so sweet to Hannah. Not only did He take her out of that you know, path of disgrace by giving her a child, He gave her more. More that she could actually you know, raise and have all the you know, the joys of, of uh, you know, motherhood uh, with. So a totally different path now for Hannah than the one that she had previously been on. Eli's family, the family that had been you know, destined to serve the Lord forever and ever well, now his family is cursed. Let's look in uh, chapter 2, verse 30. Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, declares... I promised that members of your family would minister before me forever. We just, I think, saw that a minute ago. But now, the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honor me I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. The time is coming when I will cut short your strength and the strength of your priestly house so that no one in it will reach old age. And you will see distress in my dwelling, Although good will be done to Israel, no one in your family line will ever reach old age. Every one of you uh, that I do not cut off from serving at my altar, I will spare only to destroy your sight and sap your strength, and all your descendants will die in the prime of life. (laughs) Whoopsie. So Eli didn't just blow it for himself or his sons. Uh, Down in chapter 4, we see this starting to come into, into fruition, in chapter 4, verse 17, uh, we see uh, what it, what's happened here is that his sons have foolishly decided to pick a fight with the Philistines that God didn't instruct them to do. So they go and they pick this fight and they get annihilated. And so a man is bringing the news of what happened uh, to, to Eli. Eli. The man who brought the news replied, Israel fled before the Philistines, and the army has suffered heavy losses. Also, your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are dead, and the ark of God has been captured. All right, I can only imagine that, you know, a a Jewish priest in the Old Testament, that's got to be the worst collection of news you could ever possibly get. (laughs) Your sons are dead, oh, and the ark of God is... Uh, and we see his response that that's probably the case. When he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell backward off his chair by the side of the gate. His neck was broken, and he died. He was an old man. He was heavy. He had led Israel for 40 years, okay? So, uh, in a very short time period, his sons and himself, they, they died, right? Quite a dramatic change in the destiny that he had been... Set in. Going from your house will serve me forever to everyone in your family line is going to die in the prime of life. Pretty significant change. And, and something that stands out to me about this is, you know, we talked, you know, just, just a second ago, we gave some examples of what, you know, destiny in, in our lives look like. But the destiny of Hannah... And the destiny of Eli, they were determined by the Lord. The Lord was the one that closed her womb. The Lord was the one that made the promise for his family to serve forever. He was the one specifically that put them in that course, in that destiny. And yet, he changed their course. And I think this is huge for us. I see in this story both hope and a challenge. I think what this says is that we are not doomed to the choices of our forefathers, nor can we ride on their coattails. Can we mess things up with our choices? Yes, we can. Can God salvage our lives in spite of our choices? Yes. He can. I think there is both hope and a challenge here in First Samuel. One thing about destiny is I, I don't think it's easy to alter. And I think we can look around and, and see no shortage of examples. Um, Paris Hilton. <laughs> Probably didn't expect a Paris Hilton analogy in a teaching on 1 Samuel. Paris Hilton, um, what was she destined for? I mean, she... Did she even really have to lift a finger to become famous? Famous parents? I mean, fame and fortune were hers to have, right? And, you know, if you... If you're remotely aware of current events, you're probably aware that she's made some not-so-great choices along the way, right? And yet, to this point, she is not completely derailed. You know, she's still famous. She still has her fortune. She still has, you know, all these uh, opportunities. So even in spite of a lot of her choices, her destiny still is, at least in that regard, still intact. Sometimes sometimes the things you're born into isn't an easy thing to alter. Charlie Sheen, I think, is really putting this to the test. Famous family, lots of talent, right? Um, mm-hmm, yeah, uh, Martin Sheen, uh, yeah, very devout Catholic. And Charlie Sheen to me seems like he is on the verge of finding out how far you can push your destiny before you really totally lose your opportunities. You know, uh, Jaden Willow Smith. You ever seen two kids more destined uh, to to have success? Uh, maybe one of the most talented families in the world. Right, they have everything right at their fingertips. They were born into it. Franklin Graham. Has taken the mantle uh, from his dad, Billy Graham. Franklin, you know, if you if you're familiar at all with their story, he he made he made some not so great choices along the way, but now he's he's uh, he's ministering right along in his father's uh, footsteps. So those are some you know those are just a few examples of of people that, in spite of their choices, their destiny has remained on the same course. Uh, of course, we love to hear rags to riches stories. You know, stories of people who had one destiny. You know, the, the easy path. You know, we were talking about the stream. You know, they were in this particular current, and the and the that current was taking them to a place that was not leading in any way, shape, or form to anything successful. Uh, Carnegies, Rockefellers—these are rags to riches stories. They weren't heading toward success on their own. This one surprised me. There was this, uh, this kid whose family was just dirt poor. Um, they, at, at one point in their life, they had to live, the, the whole family was living like in a camper van. Uh, in high school, this kid had to work eight hours a day in addition to going to school just you know to help the family you know, meet, their, meet their needs. Until one point, this kid decided that he was going to follow his dreams He wanted, in his heart, wanted to be a comedian. So, actually dropped out of high school, went and pursued it, and changed the whole trajectory of his life. That person's Jim Carrey. I didn't know that. I'm I'm a Jim Carrey fan. I didn't know that until uh, today. Um, Not destined, right? His life had him going one direction. And it was not towards being one of the highest paid actors in Hollywood um, Jack Deere he's a friend a friend of our house friend of friend of this uh, community uh, he was on a particular trajectory he was uh, teaching in a seminary you know traditional um, uh traditional you know conservative uh denomination and that was you know the the path that he was on. He opened himself up to a few things and now looking back he is he's been one of the most influential people in the in the vineyard movement. Course changed. Right? So destiny isn't necessarily an easy thing to alter, but our choices do matter. So, you know, maybe, you know, some of us have already started to see, like, some great kingdom things that we're destined for. And if that's the case, you know, be very grateful. That's awesome. And the, so, uh, the best counsel I can give you is actually the Apostle Paul's words in Ephesians. Ephesians 4.1, he says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So if you've been destined for something, live a life worthy of that calling. That's where Eli failed. He didn't live a life worthy of the calling he had received. So his destiny was forfeited. Now, if you're living a life and you feel like you're shackled to to these unsatisfying things, or maybe these even ungodly things, there's good news for you. The good news is you're not doomed. There's freedom available. There's a God who can write a new story for you. Acts refers to Jesus as the author of life. I think I've mentioned this before in another message. but He's the author of life. I don't think his authorship ends when he breathes life into us. I don't think his authorship ends when we just come into a relationship and he breathes that kind of new life into us. I think we serve a Lord that's willing to write our entire story. And I think that's really good news. All right, so we've seen their destinies, Hannah and Eli's. We've seen the choices that they made and how the choices that they made altered their destinies. One for the better, one obviously for the worse. There's one more uh, difference that I want to illustrate between Eli and Hannah. You know, Hannah really seemed to demonstrate an understanding of the Lord's heart and His character. Uh, she prays this prayer, you know, after she, has, uh, after she has Samuel. She prays this prayer that I think is really telling. Uh, she, she shows, like, this, this understanding of how counter to the, to the world the kingdom is. Uh, it's in chapter two, and it starts off the chapter. And, and I'm not going to read the whole thing. You should read the whole thing because it's really sweet. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Um, I'll read parts of it here. Uh, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. And so, the first thing, one of the first things that stands out to me is the picture of what this this. Uh, this exchange between her and the Lord. What's happened here is she she feels like she's been delivered from something, right? She, there's an acknowledgement that the Lord's actually delivered her from one course to something better. I delight in your deliverance. You see, uh, let's skip a couple of these. Uh, the bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. There's there's something about this prayer that makes me think of like the beatitudes in the New Testament. Just how you know, blessed are the meek, blessed are the you know the the poor, you know the something you know the the language. It just seems so opposite of what the of how the world would have things, and and so I think what she's what she's acknowledging is just, is that the kingdom is just different, and the Lord's heart is different. The Lord brings death and makes alive; He brings down to the grave and raises up. Um, he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with the prin- uh, with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. Um. Yeah. Anyway, it's just to me. I think it's just a really revealing prayer of of where Hannah's heart's at, and that she just seems to really have a good grasp of the Lord's merciful nature. Whereas Eli, I feel like when I look at his story, I feel like he's missing the boat a little bit. (laughs) Uh, Remember when we were looking at uh, when Hannah was praying and Eli was there? And Eli, as she was praying to the Lord, Eli observed, uh, this is back in chapter 1, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. Okay? He thought she was drunk. This is the paid religious professional, right? If anyone should be able to recognize when someone is is in the presence of the Lord, shouldn't it be the priest? Right? Right? That stood out to me a little bit. Why did Eli not recognize that she was praying? You know? Maybe it wasn't the most you know common daily occurrence for people to, to pray like that, but was Eli not sensitive enough to the presence of the Lord to know when when someone was interacting with the Lord, pleading to the Lord? So again, I just see some some differences there. And the probably the saddest, one of the saddest parts of Eli's story. I see in chapter 3, verse 17. Uh, what's happened uh, right here is, you know, someone has given Eli... Oh, I'm sorry, Samuel gave uh, Eli this, you know, this word from the Lord. Um, this is, if you may be familiar with the story where, you know, Samuel hears the voice of the Lord three times, and eventually Eli catches on. Oh, it must be the Lord. Go, you know, go see what he what he wants. Samuel goes, he talks to the Lord, and he gets this really like hard word from the Lord, okay? And, uh, and Eli makes him promise, you know, tell me everything, don't leave anything out. And Samuel does. Samuel gives him the word. And this is the word, you know, we, we read you know, some of that a minute ago about, you know, your, your family, they're going to die in their prime. And, and so this is a really, really hard word, not just for Eli, for his sons and for generations to follow. And this is his response. Samuel told him everything. This is uh, chapter 3, verse 18. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, He is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. And I don't know about you, but for me that reads, oh, well. Guess I blew it, you know? Contrast that to Hannah. Back in chapter 1, verse 20. You don't, you don't have to turn there. It's just one, one verse. In the course of time, Hannah became pregnant, gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because, and, and it may depend, vary from your translation. My translation says, uh, because I asked the Lord for him. One really significant huge difference between Eli and Hannah? Hannah asked. Eli gets this, you know, this incredibly you know, difficult word from the Lord, and we don't see any repentance. We don't see, you know, you know, Hannah came to the Lord with you know with anguish and poured her heart out, begged the Lord. We don't see any of that from Eli. Eh, well, let him do it. It's good in his eyes. A huge difference between Hannah and Eli is Hannah asked. She knew, you can read in her prayer, you know, the, the Lord, is the Lord's heart bent towards justice? Yeah, sure. Where's the reference? Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, Right? Yeah, justice, big deal to the Lord. It is a big deal to the Lord. But he prefers mercy. And Hannah understood that. She asked the Lord. Eli didn't get it. So for us, where that leaves us is we have both hope and a challenge that... The things in our lives, maybe, you know, things that, that at times maybe you feel absolutely helpless against, you know, things that you maybe feel like you've just inherited because of the circumstances that you don't feel like you have any control over, we have hope. The Lord can change our destiny. Our choices matter. The Lord is merciful We can ask. Things in your life, kingdom things, good things that you feel like you've been destined for and maybe you're already going after. Just know that your choices matter. Choices matter. Yeah. Um, we're gonna pray. All right? Ray, do we have uh <laughs> Uh, if you have any any kind of need whatsoever, we we'll, are always happy to to pray for you. All right, so just feel free to, to linger for a while, and we'll we'll pray for you. But let's uh, let's just uh, thank the Lord for His mercy, and then we'll uh, we'll be dismissed. All right, well, Lord, we love you, and you're so very good. Lord, we we thank you that we're not puppets on a string. Lord, we thank you that you actually value and are after partnership and that just because you're, you're good, you actually want to use us in your kingdom. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would just perpetually fill us with hope That we're not actually hopeless. That there's really nothing in our lives that are beyond your reach. That it actually doesn't even matter how many generations things have been going on in our, in our families. Lord, that, that you're actually bigger. And So Lord, we just ask for a fresh revelation of how merciful you actually are. How your hearts are actually bent towards us. How we genuinely have the freedom to ask. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We bless your name. And it's in your name we pray.
1: Amen.